Hey, how's everybody doing? You are tuned in to another episode of my Mike and I podcast. I am your host, Noah Alvarez. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud.com. It is Friday, June 7th, and for some of you, summer break has already started. Others, summer break is right around the corner. And I'm sure a good handful of you are like, what the heck is a summer break? (laughs) Just to recap some of the previous episodes of My Mike and I, a few weeks ago we did an Avengers Endgame podcast. So if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame yet, definitely recommend you do go check that out. The movie theaters are probably pretty empty in those theaters now. And then go check out my podcast. Uh, More recently on the show, we had Moran Johnson, Sac State basketball legend, who also played overseas in the country of Cyprus. We had a conversation with her. I did have a conversation as well with Orange County hip-hop artist Wim, uh, so that's a good one. You check it out. And then the last, most recent episode, I have on my boy RJ Saunders, who's a writer at The Ball Out, but we talk a lot about the NBA, basically the postseason, also what's to be expected come free agency. So yeah, those are the most recent episodes of my Mike and I. Definitely go back and check those out if you're interested. On this week's show... My guest is a former Sacramento State athlete. She just graduated in this year, the year of 2019. She played softball and was the ace for the 2019 softball team. Her name is Savannah Core. She's a Southern California kid, so we talk about a little bit of her adjustment from Southern California to Northern California. We talk about her progression over the years because she finished her career in her senior year with a 208 ERA, and she really grew into this dominant ace that she was her senior year. She got Big Sky Conference Pitcher of the Year. So we talk about her accolades, her accomplishments. We also talk about what's next for her and her journey. And then we also talk about some of the inequalities and in the comparison from softball to baseball. How baseball, there's a lot more professional outlets and softball, there isn't as many. It's still considered a very small sport that doesn't have that many professional outlets. So we chat about that. It's a good conversation. Hope you guys enjoy. Did want to give a shout out to Generic Sports for producing the instrumental in the background. Also want to shout out my boy Vince Correa, who produced the design that you're seeing in your phone or wherever you may be listening to this podcast. He also has a new podcast on Anchor.com. Go check it out. It's called This Thing of Ours. It's very specific. I think you guys will like it if you're into this kind of stuff, where he breaks down some of the greatest gangsters in history. So do me a favor and go check out his first show and let him know what you think. While you're there, I'd really appreciate if you guys could subscribe, follow us, give us a comment, give us a rating, giving a, give us a review. Help expand this podcast because this podcast is just produced by me. I'm the one who's setting up the interviews. I'm the one who's editing and laying out all the tracks and stuff like that. So I'd really appreciate it if you guys took out some time. If you're listening to this on Apple, you know, be sure to subscribe, share us with your friends, SoundCloud, be sure to like, give us a comment and whatnot. I'd really appreciate it, guys. Hope you guys enjoy the conversation I had with Savannah Core. All right, so first things first, I want to thank you, Savannah, for taking some time out of your day to hop on the podcast. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Doing pretty well. Thanks for coming on the show. So yeah, the f- of course. So the first thing I wanted to ask you is, after your high school career got finished, what was your ultimate decision? What were some factors that led you to choosing to play at Sacramento State? Yeah, so I was getting recruited by a couple different schools. Um, another one in California, but in Southern California, so like where I am at home, and then uh, Seattle U in Washington. Um, Sacramento State just had that home-like feel to me. Um, I really like the coaching staff. The facilities were great. 
And I truly like did fall in love with like, the city of Sacramento. Mm-hmm. So it kind of made my decision really easy right when I stepped on campus because I kind of knew that like, it was the place for me. What was, because you're a Southern California kid too, what yep. was the biggest change that you saw in Northern California? Because for instance, for me, it was the weather. It rains a whole lot more there and you could see a lot more yeah. of the seasons. So what was the biggest thing that you noticed from Southern California to Northern California? Well, I definitely developed really bad allergies because of all the trees. <laughs> but honestly, the people were different. I think that was just, like my favorite part is how much I loved the people in Sacramento. Not to say I don't like Southern California people, but I really liked the people up there. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the weather was the biggest thing. Getting used to the trees and the rain. And it does get pretty hot up there, too. Yeah, during the summers, it would get really, really, really toasty. Mm-hmm. And there was certain winters, too. I think it was like my, in 2017, there was like a week straight where it rained. And, you know, usually we're in Southern California, when it rains, it's kind of like, you know, for an hour or two. And then yeah. the clouds kind of go away. But no, like, I remember that first week in Sacramento when it rained, just it rained for that whole week. And I was like, wow, what does the sun look like? <laughs> I know, honestly, there was like one time my freshman year in like 20, that was in like October 2015. Mm-hmm. It was like so 100 degrees there. It was like, I was like, wow, like it stays hot up here for forever. Mm-hmm. So outside of school and softball, did you have the chance to get to explore areas outside of Sacramento? Um, maybe neighboring cities or something like that. I know it's very, there's a lot more nature out there and there's a lot more opportunities. Did you have a chance to explore that? Um, well, I actually had a job my junior and senior year. I was I worked at a coffee shop both years, so that kind of limited my time. But I did try to, like, get out. Like, I like to go to Folsom. El Dorado Hills is nice. We would go up to Placerville, um, mm-hmm. to the Apple, Apple Hill. Mm-hmm. And then I, like, went to Tahoe a couple times. Tahoe's really nice. And then I kind of avoid San Francisco. I've never really been a big fan of too many people for you? Um, My car got broken into one time, and oh. ever since then, I, like, never want to go back. Yikes. Yeah, that could definitely ruin an experience over there. Wow. So I did want to go talk about your softball career and your softball career at Sac State and how you progressed over the four years. Because when you first got to Sac State, you weren't a primary starter, and then you finished your career as a senior with an ERA just under three, and you were a lot better of a pitcher than you were your freshman year. What were some of the things that you worked on over your career and what helped you get to that point that you finished at your senior year? Yeah. Um, so I knew as a freshman, a lot of people come in and like they do well enough to like get them by as a freshman. Mm-hmm. Like it's getting used to college softball, the hitters and whatnot. Um, the schedule and like how like grueling it can be. So my freshman year, I kind of went with it and just like let it happen. And I didn't really work hard over my summer and, like, the off-season, which made my sophomore year really, like, bad. And so I had, like, what they call a sophomore slump because I didn't work hard over, like, my break. And so I knew going into my junior year, like, I needed to work, like, really hard in my off-season. So I stayed in Sacramento. I didn't go home for the summer. And I worked out and pitched almost every day. And in the fall, I like, made sure, like, I was always focused. I, like, worked really hard then in practice, too. And that led to my junior year being way better than my sophomore year. 
And so when I did the same thing going into my senior year, and I knew um, the team needed somebody to step up and kind of, like, take that role. Since uh, Selena Mathias was, like, our main starter my mm. first three years, that, and she was graduated by then. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to fill that shoes of, like, the number one role. And, like, I knew what I had to do to do so. Mm-hmm. And um, also something I really worked hard on was developing a rise ball over my over the off season because uh, Coach Perez always wanted like me to do so because it helps not be as like two dimensional as a pitcher. Right. Because my first three years, I was probably known as like a drop ball pitcher with a good off speed. In my senior year, I finished as an east to west pitcher. Was I really focused on using my screwball? in my curveball and I would go with a rise ball and sometimes my change. Mm-hmm. And so I really tried developing that rise ball just so I had another strikeout pitch besides my changeup. And even my curve, I developed way more than my other seasons. And so I was able to really to rely on that to get a lot of strikes too. And I really think those couple things, like I had more command of my pitches and I felt more confident in myself really led to me being way more successful as a senior. Nice. So was Coach Laurie Perez a big part of you kind of changing your approach from that drop ball pitcher to the east-west pitcher you were your senior year? Yeah, so when we met at the end of my junior year, she really wanted me to work on my rise ball. And I kind of took that summer to develop my curve too. And so when I came back in the fall and she saw that my curve was like doing better, she just kind of ran with it. And so during fall ball games, I mainly focused east to west in my rise ball and I was really successful so we knew coming into the season that I was really going to focus heavily on those three pitches Mm -hmm. now what kind of mentor because you mentioned it earlier Selena Mathias she was there your first three years what kind of mentor was she for you while you were playing on the same team with her you know it was really huge having someone um someone that's still on the team and luckily she was still on the team uh my senior year as an assistant and it was really nice to have someone who's been through it to tell me, like, what I was maybe doing wrong or what I should do. Like, when I was, like, lost and didn't know what was going wrong, like, it was nice to go to her and have um, her do, like, her help me. Mm-hmm. So it was more like, instead of going to a coach, it was nice going to somebody who I played with for three years. And just, like, her giving me little tips on, like, what she would do. And, like, I know it worked because of how successful she always was. That's nice. That's really good that she was able to help you out as an assistant as well. So just to read off some of your statistics from your senior year, you finished 21-13, and 13, 21 complete games, and had a 2.08 overall ERA. What, Where were you, and what were your initial feelings like when you heard that you made first-team All-Big Sky, but you were also named the Big Sky Pitcher of the Year? I was actually at work. And I was on my break when um, I noticed they were starting to announce, like, the players of the year, like those and the all-first all, uh, team. Mm-hmm. And so I actually kind of stayed a little longer on my break than I was supposed to. Because I saw they announced the co-freshman of the year and the player of the year, but they had yet to announce the pitcher of the year. And right before they did, Coach Perez actually called me and was like, I wanted to be the first one to tell you 
that you got a picture of the year this year. Like, congratulations, you really deserve it. Mm-hmm. And I literally just started like breaking down crying because like I was striving to like a goal like this because like I my first few years I was kind of overlooked, and so going from like not really being that starter to like being like that ace for the team and really like being comfortable in that role and like it showed. Like it was just like a nice feeling to be rewarded for how hard I worked. Mm-hmm. And I honestly like I knew it was attainable if I worked hard enough and it was just nice to see all my hard work pay off. That's nice. So the next thing I wanted to ask because your senior year was highlighted by the two by two specific outings. You threw a perfect game against Farley Dickinson and then a no-hitter against Idaho, Idaho State, correct? Yeah. So what were your feelings during those two games and then your feelings afterwards once you find out, once you had found out that you had a... Yeah. Um, so my perfect game, it, I don't know, it's like it's like a fuzzy memory at this time because I can't, I still can't believe it happened. Because uh-huh. like I'm known to walk a lot of girls. And, like, even, like, that's how I got my no-hitters. Like, I walked somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so, going to that game, though, like, I knew I was throwing well. I was throwing a lot of strikes. And it wasn't getting behind in counts. Like, there was one time, like, I was at a 3-1 count. And it was, like, the fifth of the sixth inning. And, luckily, the girl, like, swung away and, like, hit it in play. And, like, we made the out. But, like, I was almost never in three-ball counts. So, like... I felt really confident about how I was pitching. And I knew if I just stuck to my game, like, it was going to be attainable. And, like, my defense was behind me. And luckily no one was, like, talking to me because mm-hmm. sometimes I like to get in my zone. And, like, if someone tries to, like, come up and talk to me, they might, like, mess me up. Mm-hmm. And, like, I know a lot of people, like, they will, like, if you say someone's throwing a no-hitter or that I'll say someone's having a perfect game, it usually ends up jinxing it. Right, like and a super everyone on my team told me after the game, they're like, yeah, we were not saying anything. Like, <laughs> we were all just looking at each other, like, with big eyes, like, is this really happening? Uh-huh. And after the game, usually we're not allowed to see our parents after, like, in between games, just because we should still be focused for the next game. Mm-hmm. So my assistant coach actually let me go run out and, like, hug my mom and dad. Because it was, like, a big moment for all of us. And even after my no-hitter, like, against one of our rivals, like, Idaho State, and two really tough losses, well, for me, and three as a team, um, to them at Idaho State, it was just such a great feeling to end, like, my career against Idaho State like that. I was striking out some of their best hitters, and I was just attacking the zone. Like, I felt really confident. Like, I really just wanted to win that game, like, so that like whatever it took mm-hmm. and I really knew my team had my back like them putting up that many runs right away I think made, gave me like even more confidence to go in and just shut up and shut, shut the team down and so I think just like when my team has my back like that it makes me so much more confident as a pitcher and it's like it allows me to get results like that mm-hmm yeah, because you guys won that game, was it 14-0 or 15-0? Yeah, 15-0. Yeah, so you guys had a, a pretty comfortable lead, and that's always a lot easier as a pitcher because you know you can afford a mistake or two, or you just have a lot more confidence as well. Yeah, for sure. 
All right, so I wanted to ask you about your junior season in 2018. You guys did make the NCAA tournament after winning the Big Sky tournament. What was that experience like? Because you got to play in Southern California too, correct? And do you have any family and friends come out and check out your games? Yeah, so we were able to play at UCLA. And I had a lot of family and friends come out because uh, we didn't really, we don't really play in Southern California that much. Mm -hmm. So it was really nice to uh, have like my family and friends in the stands like that. And I was even able to go in against Texas State and pitch them. And even just playing against UCLA and like playing on TV, like it's such a surreal experience. And like we were really trying to get back there this year. And sadly, the cards didn't fall that way. Mm -hmm. But. It was just it's just one of those experiences that like I hope every softball player gets to feel because it's so great like that postseason experience and like that feeling you get playing on the biggest stage. It's just like it's everyone's dream like when they're growing up playing softball is like the regionals and like super regionals and like the World Series. And so it's like really cool that we were able to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Now the last question about softball I did want to ask you was how was head coach Lori Perez different from the other coaches that you've had in your softball career? Um, she's one of my only female coaches. It's weird. And like travel ball mm -hmm. and growing up, it's very male heavy for like coaching. Mm -hmm. I've only had one other woman coach and she's actually like one of the most known coaches in California. Um, Pam Newton. Okay. And, um, I gotta say, she took a different route to everything, and it's just college coaches in general are way different than travel ball coaches. And we like met more, you know, because she's pretty much paying us, so like it was like a job in its own. Mm -hmm. So it's like she's our boss in a sense. So we would always have meetings with her, like we would see her all the time, and so balancing that, like how much we see her and like whatnot so we're not like because like your travel ball coaches you only see them like twice a week with like your college softball coach you're seeing them six to seven days out of the week mm -hmm. and so I think she did a really good job balancing like seeing us so much and it was really nice because she's also a mother so like she treats us all like her children because she has two younger children and like it was always just so nice knowing how much like love she put into the sport and how much she cared for us and like she really just truly really just wanted to win and so she always was just trying to put the team like first and like go like forward every time mm -hmm. so even if there was like things bad things that happened she would like sit down reflect and try to come back and be like all right well these are the positives still mm -hmm. that's nice yeah from a few times talking with her with coach perez she does take a lot out of uh, even losses. She always look at the positive side of things, and she's always she's always about the grind. I mean, I remember talking with her a few times, and she's always talking about the grind of a season, the grinding out a game, yep. and so that was like her big mo. And uh, she's 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 a very respected coach in the softball yeah. world. So once a player gets done with college softball, when you compare it to baseball, there's not that many professional routes in softball, right? There's the National Pro Soft Pitch, uh, Fast Pitch league that's in the United States but there's only six teams in that and outside of maybe playing for your national team there aren't too many routes to go to have a softball career how does 
that make you feel as once you get to your college level, you know that's kind of almost it. There isn't as many options in comparison to baseball, like the male sport. Yeah, so the NPF is still really small. So, like, there's six girls or six teams, and um, they do a draft still, but I, they only do, like, five rounds to, so like, about 25 to 30 girls out of the whole country mm-hmm. get picked to go on to play for the NPF. And then there's also this other, like, freelance um, professional team called the Scrapyard Dogs. And people can go play for them, but, like, they also kind of double as, like, the national team because a lot of the national girls are on that team. Mm-hmm. And um, it kind of sucks because, like, as an athlete, your premier years are in your 20s, and most of us are done by 21, 22, where all these other girls, like, that's why, I like, the National uh, Professional Fastest League it's so crazy because, like, those girls are older and, like, they're more mature with their bodies. Right. They're able to, like, get those peak years. And so, like, watching softball at that level is just so cool. Like, it's so fun to watch because, like, those are, like, the top-tier athletes in our sport. Mm-hmm. And they're able to get to that level because they're a little bit older where, like, your body should be as an athlete. Right. It's in your 20s, really. It's not, like, in your teenage years where, like, most of your college is. Like, you're 18 to 21 during college, mm-hmm. and those girls are, like, 22 and up. And it's really cool watching, like, more mature bodies play the sport because that's what it's for. And, it's, and even if, though, like, you wanted to go play professional, there's not a lot of money in it, mm-hmm. which deters a lot of athletes from doing it because, it's not really sustainable. It's like $20,000 a year where you can go on and maybe get your master's or even you can go on and get a job yeah, and like actually provide a living for yourself. Or you have to be like one of the top tier athletes like Monica Abbott who like signs like a million dollar contract mm-hmm. over six years. But like that's unheard of in our sport because it's, it is still growing and I do see it going in the right direction, but it will take a lot more time. Mm-hmm. I was reading somewhere that there's a lot of players in the MPF that have to have other jobs. Like that's they're kind of playing part time, so it's almost like they're in college again, where you have to do school for part of the you know part of the year, and then you get to play softball for the other part of the year. But you can't even have so- being a professional softball player as your full time job. Yeah, like a lot of them even rely on like sponsorship mm-hmm. or like deals with like uh, brands like bats and like helmets and like those type of brands. Mm-hmm. And they, like, do, like, photo shoots with them and, like, they'll, like, support them. And, like, that's how they also bring in money. But that's still only, like, the top percentage of the athletes in the league as it is because they're not just handing out deals to all the athletes there. Right. So I did also want to take some time to talk about the Olympics and softball in the Olympics because in 2012, that was the first year we saw that softball was no longer in the Olympics. Um, 2008 was the last time we saw that. And then in 2020, they plan on bringing it back. So what does that mean as for you? Because I'm sure you follow softball a lot, and I'm sure you follow the, the Olympics, softball in the Olympics. What does that mean for you as a fan of the sport? Yeah, so I'm probably one of the biggest softball watchers on my team. Mm-hmm. And I know back in 2012, like the Olympics like committee said like their biggest concern was Baseball and softball were just Americanized or like American sports. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and they didn't see other countries really striving to like put forth like a really good team to like come up against us. And like usually it was just like softball at least was always USA versus Japan. Mm-hmm. Like those two teams are always seen in the finals. But like you look now and like Team Canada for softball has a great team. Team Mexico has a great team. Like they're getting some great players. Like Puerto Rico has a great team. Like Japan obviously is still one of those powerhouses and USA is obviously a powerhouse. But like you even have teams like Italy and like Ireland and like like and there's all these different um countries like Chinese Taipei and Peru and whatnot. They're all putting forth like these really good teams and so I think these twenty twenty Olympics are really gonna be different this year. Like you're gonna have USA and Japan challenged by some really good other uh, countries out there mm-hmm. where we wouldn't have seen that in 2012 like because softball has grown so much since then like you see that in the college world series um like the millions of viewers watching the sport mm-hmm. and it just it makes little girls want to grow up and play on the biggest stages like that and like whether that be for national teams or for college softball or professional it's really just the growth of the sport is helping it get back to the Olympics in a sense or just getting a bigger venues and just bigger recognition for how great the sport is. Mm-hmm. And I think softball being back in the Olympics should help leagues like the NPF and maybe other leagues too spurred up and maybe expand to more teams having more players. Because you're right, the whole televi- the, the fact that they televised the Softball World Series, it's doing a lot for the, the viewership and they're getting a lot more fans nationwide. Yeah, and it's really cool because even I think it might have started last year or two years ago, but every single game in from regional to super regional to the World Series was mm-hmm. uh, broadcasted on ESPN. So even if it wasn't on like those main channels, right. it was on ESPN three at least. And that happened again this year. So like, no matter where it was, there was an ESPN crew there on all the regional sites, all the super regional sites. So every single game you were able to watch. And it used to not be like that. It used to just be whenever the host team was playing, you would see it on TV. And so if you were one of those lower teams, your family wouldn't be able to watch back at home. Mm -hmm. So, like, now you're able to watch softball. Or you even have, like, um, things like Flow Softball. They help live stream a lot of softball games. So, like, there's a huge tournament called the Mary Nutter in Southern California. Mm -hmm. They help broadcast that or even um the judy garmin and fullerton they help broadcast that or even um, there's one in florida they help show and so just being able to broadcast those really helps viewership and really helps the growth of the sport mm-hmm. now do you see yourself and later in your career maybe coming back as a broadcaster or coming back and helping the growth of softball whether it's in the television aspect or the radio aspect or anything like that? Um, I definitely can see myself broadcasting, maybe. Um, I don't see myself coaching or anything like that. I really do love the game, though. So, like, I can see myself doing something like that, maybe, if, like, an opportunity arose. Because mm-hmm. I'm pretty good at, like the, like, the softball IQ, you can say. And, like, I see a lot of things. And, like, when I'm watching on TV, like, I know what I would say type thing. And 
I really enjoy the broadcasting aspect of softball because it's really nice to explain to all the people who don't understand maybe what's going on or what is happening mm-hmm. and like tell them like this is this pitch or she made this play because of that or like this is really good base running because and so like those really help with the game because a lot of people still don't understand softball mm-hmm. and so being able to maybe pay back the game by like doing something like that would be great for me oh nice did you happen to watch the college softball world series this year and if so what did you think of ucla and the run they went on in the postseason um i was really rooting for them all year like me and my mom called it from the get-go of the season it was going to be oklahoma and ucla in the finals mm-hmm. and we really wanted ucla to take it because it's nice to i've always been a pac-12 fan as a california girl mm-hmm. so i really wanted the pac-12 to really get that championship back and so it was really nice to see um how ucla played this year even because obviously rachel garcia being back-to-back player of the year um it was nice to see them not overuse her during the regular season which they did last year which they was nice because they had a freshman pitcher in megan Farino really step up for them and take a lot of innings off of rachel garcia's arm mm-hmm. and holly Azevedo took a lot of innings off of her too and so when it came down to the world series rachel was still like had that energy with her and it was really nice to see her perform their bats were just crazy. Like their defense is one of the best in the year, or the best in the um, the field, you know. Mm-hmm. And so they really did have their best softball in the postseason, which is exactly what you need. Right. Like they were going up against obviously the top teams in the nation, and they always came out as the top team because they played the best softball they could. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I think, them doing that. And playing such good softball is just really good for the sport, too, because so many people are watching that game. Mm-hmm. And so many people are just like UCLA softball and like Rachel Garcia, just like those type of games, like make like those um, memories that people are just like, remember that one time like UCLA played Oklahoma, and they beat them like 16 to 3 or whatever, and just mm-hmm. like Rachel Garcia this, and she had that home run. And so I think those type of performances from teams like that are huge for the sport itself. Yeah, it was definitely cool to see UCLA kind of flex their muscle, especially when they got to the championship, because you're right, even that first game in, uh, against Oklahoma, they really uh, put it out of contention pretty early, and they blew them out at the final score. So I did want to yeah, ask... Yeah, it was definitely something crazy to watch. So what are some of your early takes? Do you have any early predictions, um, any teams to watch out for in the Olympics in 2020? Um, I got to say USA is going to be another strong holder because they have Rachel Garcia back on their staff. They have Monica Abbott, who is the fastest pitcher in softball. Mm-hmm. She throws like, like I think uh, she might top out at 75 maybe or even higher than that. I think she's reached 77 or 78 sometimes. And, like, to put that in perspective, like, 73 is about 104 in baseball. Right. People so, forget. Like, you have, like, Tara Novello. Um, she'll be on Puerto Rico's team. And she throws about 71 to 73 on average. Mm-hmm. And so, like, having someone like that on Puerto Rico's team is really going to make them have a good run. 
And then Team Mexico, actually, they have, obviously, Susie Brookshire. <clears throat> um, they have some good pitchers. Um, I believe Oklahoma's pitcher, G. Juarez, is on Mexico. Mm-hmm. And they have some other pitchers, too. Um, they also have the Romero sisters, who are some of the best players in softball. So they're going to make a good run for it. And then even Team Canada, Danielle Laurie, who was the pitcher for Washington, who took them to the 2009 title game and won it for them. Mm-hmm. So she's making a comeback for softball. So they're going to make a good run. And even just Team Japan again. But honestly, I think Team USA is just back this year. I really think they'll come home with the Olympic gold this year. Mm-hmm. Nice. To touch on a point you mentioned earlier, though, like you mentioned, the speed is different because people forget that the circle where a pitcher pitches from in softball is a lot closer than it is on mound and baseball. And so you have that less of a time to react. And people underestimate, they all oh, 75 miles per hour, that's not that fast. But when it's coming at you a few feet closer, it's uh, that much harder. Yeah, like we're pitching from 43 feet away. Mm-hmm. And if you consider like the stride we do out, when we're releasing the ball, it's close to like 35 to 38 feet away, mm-hmm. depending on how long someone's stride is. And so with that, like the ball is coming at you with any direction too, whereas baseball is only coming up to down. Mm-hmm. And like obviously you can go side to side. Like softball, we can do it on any plane. Like you can go east to west, you can go up and down. And everyone, there's a couple different really effective off-team pitches. Like, you can have your normal changeup, but, like, there's off-speed curves, there's off-speed drop-offs. It's so like, that option just makes softball so much harder, mm-hmm. especially when you're throwing 73. If you're able to just to pound it in there and then fool them on an off-speed pitch like that, it's, like, it's really hard as a hitter. Mm-hmm. A lot less time to react. Speaking of hitting, did you ever have a chance to get any, any at-bats while you were playing at Sacramento State? I did not, actually. No. So I used to hit uh, for, like, high school and travel ball, but I never hit for Sac State. Oh, okay. Do you miss being a hitter at all, or were you happy being a PO? Um, there's, like, pros and cons to it, I think. Because, like, there's some times where it's, like, I would, if my team was struggling hitting, like, I would sit there and be, like, I can get in there and, like, do this. Mm-hmm. But other times, like, it was nice to take the stress of hitting off my shoulders and so I can solely focus on pitching. So, like, if I know it's really hard for some people to, like, strike out and go out and play the field. Mm-hmm. And so, like, as a, as a pitcher, like, you have to be mentally checked in, like, from pitch one to the last pitch of the game. So there's no room for, like, those type of mental mistakes of, like, checking out even for, like, a second. Mm-hmm. So... Sometimes, like, I wish I would have, but I think at the end of the day, it's better that I didn't because I was able to focus all my time on pitching. Mm -hmm. So the next question I wanted to ask, too, is sometimes student-athletes in college, especially at the college level, they sometimes have this uh, stereotype among them where, you know, they don't do their schoolwork and they kind of get freebies in classes, but I know you specifically, you had, you know, you mentioned that already that you had to work on the side as well. Was it the hardest challenges of being a student athlete for you while you're at Sacramento State? Um, I just think, like, how hard it is on your body. Like, it's insane how big off days are. 
because like your body is just you're just constantly tired especially towards the end um like coach Perez always says it's a grind and like so with our conferences physically we would play friday saturdays so that means we leave thursday morning and so if you have class on thursday you're missing that almost every travel trip Mm -hmm. and then we get back late saturday night then you have sunday to recover and then Monday you're back doing film already and you're doing a study hall, wherever it is. And Tuesday or Wednesday we might have a midweek game. And so if you have night class, you're going to miss it because you have games. And then you practice on the other day and then you're gone again on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And so it's balancing classwork and like just like relaxation and softball and everything. And so like even like I had a job, so I was up at, like, 4.30 in the morning because I worked at a coffee shop at, like, 5.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so I would get off at 11.30, and I would go straight from work, and I would go practice at 1. And then that would be over by 5. And if it was Monday or Wednesday, I had a night class at uh, 5.30. Wow. So I was up from 4.30, and I had night class later on that day till 6.45. Mm-hmm. And then I would go home, and I would be able to do any homework I needed. And then I might have had work the next morning, or I had to relax because we had a game the next day. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of times people just think student athlete is just an easy thing. They just see they just see us play games. They don't see like the hard work behind it. Right. And like we don't get freebies. Like we do get like we get mentors, and like if we need help, we have the resources to do it and, like, get the help we need, like, in classes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't come, like, at an easy price. Like, we're putting our bodies on the line every day to, like, the school, to represent the school at a high athletic level. Mm-hmm. And we do bring in a lot of money for the school. And so and we're putting so much of our time back into the school, and I think a lot of people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. Now, with the academics, I know you were a two-time Big Sky All-Academic selection. Did you pride yourself on having the good grades that you did and, and getting an award like that, a recognition? Yeah, so I always strive to get straight A's, the highest GPA possible, because uh, I have, like, big goals in life. And I always – academics usually came easy for me, and so it was really – nice though to still be able to like push in college and still get good grades mm-hmm. and a lot of people on the team would like come to me to like help because like uh school has always just been one of my strong suits and so even when my athletics wasn't like my greatest so, like my sophomore year maybe i still pride myself that i was able to get really high grades mm-hmm. and i wasn't slacking ever and like i didn't let like season hold me back like the grind of like being gone all the time Mm-hmm. And so I really always just strive to get the highest grade possible. Nice. So now that you've graduated from Sacramento State with your bachelor's in criminal justice, what's your plan from here on out? Yeah, so I'm actually starting law school in August at uh, Loyola Law School in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So I plan to study there for three years, uh, sit for the bar in California, mm-hmm. and hopefully practice as a criminal defense lawyer than thinking focusing on juveniles wow nice that's very good um yeah thanks before we 
before we end the show, I do like to do this thing where I play a word association game where I kind of throw a word to you and then you kind of just throw me the first word that or first adjective or whatever word that kind of you associate that word with. Sound easy okay. enough? All right. So the first word that we're going to do, Sacramento State. Hornets. Hornets. Uh, Coach Lori Perez. Winner. Mm. Your teammate, Susie Brookshire. Funny. Funny. Is she, was she the funniest uh, member of your team? Uh, I think me and her have really similar humor style. Uh-huh. Where like a lot of people might not understand our humor, but like we understood each other. So really what our friendship based on was our humor towards each other. Okay, nice. All right. Uh, continuing with the game, UC Davis. Rival. All right, the Big Sky Conference. Mm, championship. Nice, nice. Um, one more teammate, Selena Mathias. Goofy. Goofy. <laughs> is she is she pretty goofy be, uh, behind the scenes? Yes, for sure. She always kept it really light and always tried to make people smile. It's one of her best qualities. Okay, nice. And then last one, uh, softball. Life. Life. Nice. That's a good one. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, Savannah, for you know sparing some time with me uh, to hop on the show. And again, I wish you nothing but the best in your future and, and law school with you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Noah Alvarez here again. Hope you enjoyed the latest episode of My Mike and I. Just a reminder, this podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and I'd really appreciate it if you guys could leave a review, share us with some of your friends, like, follow us, subscribe to us. Really appreciate any help that we could get. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at underscore Noah Alvarez or follow me on Instagram at N-O-H-A Noha underscore Alvarez. Sometimes I do polls that I feature on the show. Also, you guys can reach out to me there if you're interested in being a part of the show. I'm very diverse in the topics that I have on the show, and I want to have a very wide range of people on this show from all different kinds of backgrounds. So if you're interested and you feel like you have something interesting to talk about, definitely feel free to reach out to me via those social media outlets. Again, this is the My Mike and I podcast. I'm your host, Noah Alvarez, signing off.